This is the Awareness Offerings Podcast, a weekly offering of yoga philosophy discussion and guided meditation for the moments we're living in. I'm your host, Lara Tara Davy Joplin. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher, integrative therapist, and spiritual social media strategist. I'm trying to integrate the principles of spiritual philosophy as I understand them into all those areas of my work and into my life trying to understand my position as a white woman devotee of yoga in the West, and simply trying to live with awareness. This podcast is me doing all that out loud. Welcome in. You're listening to episode 68, In Fullness and in Emptiness. Happy, happy new year. Welcome to the very first awareness offering of 2023. This episode is coming out a day later than my typical release day because I took some time to record some shiny new intros and outros, so there's a little bit of an updated energy to our first podcast episode of this year, although I'll talk a little bit about how sometimes January is not the ideal time to do new things, but I do have some new things happening in my life, which has changed the way I introduced myself, so it was time to do a little updating. So welcome to the updated awareness offerings podcast, but same format, same vibe. Here we go. As always, if you would like to support the awareness offerings podcast in all of its versions and iterations, best ways you can do so are by rating, subscribing, and or leaving a review on whatever platform you're using to listen. You can share by word of mouth on social media if you feel called and all of those actions just help other people find this show. Really grateful for that. Even more grateful that you are here and that we get to do this once again, going into some discussion and some meditation, some practice. So our first practice, our opening practice, as always, is to use sound, to sing the sound of Om one time. Om is said to represent. Sound in yoga philosophy, in the language of Sanskrit, is said to be representative. It's not just sound, it is energy. It represents energy. And Om is the fundamental energy of consciousness. This energy that is much bigger and much more ancient than the chaos that can often exist in our minds. And so we're trying to kind of broaden the lens of the mind beyond that chaos and that immediacy and remember something bigger and deeper and sometimes more ancient than ourselves. So that's Om. You can sing this out loud with me. You can simply listen. You can vocalize even if it's not Om. You might get your body into a comfortable position if you're coming along. You might choose to close your eyes or simply take a soft gaze by looking down the tip of your nose or toward the floor, just taking some kind of gaze or posture of the eyes to try to turn toward yourself for just a moment. Then you might take a breath in through the nose if that is accessible to you right now. And then a breath out through the nose first, just making some space. And then we'll inhale for one round of OM. Thank you for joining me in that practice. And now we'll go into this week's discussion. So I alluded in my introductory words to the fact that 
it is January. I'm recording this on January 6th of all days, um, but it's January and societally, socially, culturally, we tend to really emphasize newness and refreshing and intentions and resolutions at this time. And those have their place, I think, but there's been a lot more discussion, I think needed discussion that I've seen in the online space about how January, the middle of the winter, seasonally, and if we're thinking about the rhythms of the earth that we live on, is actually not the most ideal time to generate new things. Things are, are in hibernation in the natural world. Things are dying, shedding, turning inward, resting. So it's actually a great time to be really deeply with ourselves. And then as spring comes, that, that might be the better and more naturally logical time to generate newness. And I've been thinking about that. And at the same time, you know, I, I believe that. I, I love the rhythm of our earth and our seasons. And I love to be curious about what it's like to live in concert with that rhythm as much as possible. But at the same time, I try to be grounded and with reality as much as possible. And the reality is that we live in our world and we live in our culture. And like it or not, as is right now, things could change and maybe should. But as they are right now, January is the time when everything begins to hum back to life in terms of our work and our systems, um, the things that we put down, especially probably with our the work that we do in the world, the, when we, you know, we put them down at the holidays and now it's time for them to be picked back up, but tenfold, because not only do we have to deal with the things that we put down, then there's all the new stuff that gets piled on top of that. So there's a lot coming at us. Even if we believe that this is a time for hibernation, the reality of our world is that there is so much happening. And I have really been feeling that. Not only has my work that I'm currently doing in the world just buzzed back to life in a huge way, there's a lot happening, but my work that I am moving toward, the sort of new branch of my work in the world, is also coming to life in a big way. I am about to start work at a therapy practice. And so there's been a lot of preparation. There's been a lot of paperwork. There's been a lot to plan for and to navigate in addition to the work that I'm also doing as my sort of my quote unquote day job right now as I'm supporting myself. And thankfully, it's work that's incredibly aligned with all of my practices and paths. But that's happening in addition to this kind of longer term goal I've been working toward for three to five years that is now getting really real. So, so much is happening. And you may be experiencing that too. And even if we are aware that hibernation energy is the name of the game for the earth, the reality for us is probably that this is a time of fullness. And that's what I've been sitting with, that word fullness. And so wildly enough, or probably appropriately enough, I'm actually recording this podcast on the day of the full moon, the first full moon in 2023. So fullness is right in front of me right now. That is the, the energy and the concept that I feel I'm being asked to learn about by life. So I'm sharing it here out loud on the podcast. And 
I've been sort of unpacking, if you will, or picking apart this idea of fullness. Because on the one hand, it can feel overwhelming. It can stretch us. It can feel like it just takes a lot of energy to be in a time of fullness any at any point, but especially when the earth is resting, to feel that kind of fullness, it can be particularly it can feel particularly big and sometimes taxing. So that's one way that we can experience fullness and that's real. And I've been asked to remember that fullness can also be something beautiful, something helpful, something supportive and impactful. First of all, the the nuts and bolts of it is that the fullness of my work right now means that I am fully supported. I will have financial resources. I have work to do. I can support myself. So fullness does mean support in that way, even if it stretches me in some ways. Fullness can also be an indication of something working or or something going right, right? Like if I'm teaching a yoga class and it's full, which it has been because that January energy of newness is around and everyone's coming back to yoga, that tells me that, you know, one, people are coming, people are practicing, and that's amazing. And two, although slightly less, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Slightly, I'm, I don't want to toot my horn as much on this one, but one, it means people are coming back to practice, and two, it means people want to practice with me. And I'm trying not to put quite as much stock in that second one because I always want to teach and move from a place of humility as much as possible, but it's okay to own that I've been teaching for almost a decade and I'm a great teacher. So people want to practice with me. So that type of fullness is a beautiful thing. It means I get to be in community with large groups of people. We get to share energy as we practice yoga. And if you've ever been in the room with a full um, group of people, you know, there's just a certain energy to that. And And so it means something's going well. It's a fullness that benefits me and benefits our group and the collective in a lot of ways. So I've been, I've been reminded that that kind of fullness can be really sweet. That can also be overwhelming though, because it means I'm signing a bunch of people in to a yoga class at the same time. Um, So there's always this dance. There are always nuances and layers, but that's one way I've been trying to remember that fullness can be beneficial. And then beyond trying to reframe this real fullness that is present in my life and probably in our collective at this time of year, you know, trying to reframe it as, oh, this can be good as well as stressful, which is true. But beyond just trying to make that shift in my mind, I think that there is something impactful and helpful about just being willing to be in fullness, whether it feels supportive, whether it feels stressful, whether it feels like both at the same time or we oscillate between the two. There's something impactful and helpful about just being willing to say, "Okay, things are full right now to use our present moment awareness, which is one of the the fundamentals of a, a, a yogic life and the spiritual path which inform everything that I do, but to use our present moment awareness to just be present and to be in relationship to the fact that we are in a moment of fullness. Because as we have sort of touched on a little bit so far, fullness is often the reality. 
in the world that we live in, in the lives that we live. And there are whole nuanced, important conversations to be had about the fact that we default to fullness probably too much and that we try to do so much and that that is a product of capitalism and systems that want us constantly striving and hustling rather than present and resting when it's time and accepting ourselves. Lots of conversations to be had on that front. And I I am for those conversations. But the reality is that fullness is often a part of our lives. So it can help us to be present to fullness, to understand that it's happening and to be with ourselves through that experience, regardless of how we're experiencing it as something helpful or terrible or both. It just gives us resources to navigate the world and our lives as they are. It gives us the skills to be present and maybe centered and maybe okay Maybe not all three at once, but to sometimes be any combination of those three things during periods of fullness. So I think what I'm trying to say is I am, I'm seeing the reality that fullness is beautiful. I'm seeing the reality that fullness is stressful. And I'm simply seeing the value in understanding, sometimes accepting and navigating fullness with presence because we are so often asked to do that in life. I'm seeing the value of building resilience and skills in times of fullness because those exist a lot. So fullness and I are in this relationship right now. But I don't think it's the only thing, as is often the case with everything. And I'll say more about what I mean by that very cryptic statement. Because another thing that I have been chewing on and navigating, reflecting on and understanding in this current phase of my life is the idea of paradox. The fact that as one of my teachers, mentors and colleagues, Lena Franklin will say that everything contains its opposite. Most experiences, most realities in our world and our existence contain nuance. They contain contrast layers, subtlety, opposite qualities that somehow come together to make wholeness, to make the breadth and depth of who we are in our experience as whole beings. And so as I've been reflecting on that, which I have a lot because I I posted about this in a reflection on Instagram a few days ago, but if there's one thing that the last year, that 2022 taught me through all the the journeys and rituals and practices I did was that life is paradox. That paradox is the name of the game and being able to see the contrasts and friction and nuance and layers and see it all as wholeness and welcome it all in presence and wholeness, which to me is one of the meanings of yoga. Yoga means union, which can translate to wholeness. That's sort of the name of the game. So I've been reflecting on this lately, this teaching of paradox. And as I have been asked to be in relationship to fullness, that only makes me feel more aware of emptiness. Because where fullness is present, emptiness is too. And I talk a good bit about emptiness, whether I say that word explicitly or not. I talk about this concept a lot when I'm teaching yoga and meditation. 
But it's only now that fullness is right at the forefront. Forefront. It's a big, bold headline in my mind and my experience that I'm thinking really explicitly and deeply about emptiness and that I wanted to come onto this podcast to reflect not only about fullness, but about its opposite, about its companion that's always present with fullness in this paradox of life, emptiness. And my understanding of emptiness from a spiritual perspective, which is the perspective I try to take when I'm reflecting on this podcast and moving through life, is that emptiness is not the lack of something. It doesn't mean that we are without something. Instead, emptiness is pure openness, It's pure spaciousness. It is pure potential and possibility. It's the moment before we take a breath in where everything in the world is available to us. Because in the emptiness, nothing else can be done but creation. And a lot of the great teachers, including my spiritual teacher, Swami Jayadevi, and her beloved teacher, who is the guru or primary teacher in my lineage of spiritual study, Ma Jaya, would often talk about emptiness. And, and not just them, right? A lot of teachers, a lot of, a lot of great wisdom holders will talk about the emptiness when they talk about meditation, when they talk about kind of spiritual connection, you'll sometimes hear them say the emptiness, capital T, capital E, the emptiness as a concept. And my understanding is that that feeling that we get when we're doing practice, when we're practicing conscious physical movement or practicing meditation, and we get a feeling of deep connection, of upliftment, of transcendence, of kind of boundarylessness, where there's no boundaries between us and everything in the universe or the universe within us, a feeling that we are really connected to and supported by something bigger than ourselves. Whatever word you might use, that feeling, that powerful, profound and impactful feeling that we get through practice is often referred to by the wisdom teachers as the emptiness. And that emptiness is, as I understand it, that pure potential. A lot of great teachers, one of my spiritual teachers is actually David Lynch, who is a a director known for um, his kind of abstract film work. He's, He's an abstract artist who wants to make paintings move, essentially, and he's done some abstract work in... Uh, Twin Peaks, show from the 90s that I really love, um, films like Wild at Heart, Eraserhead, Blue Velvet. Um, But he's also a really dedicated transcendental meditator. And he believes in this concept called the unified field. The unified field, which is the field of pure potential, pure distilled fundamental consciousness from which everything that exists arises the field which animates everything in existence, this unified field. And to me, that is analogous to the emptiness, this pure potential from which nothing but creation and transformation can come. That is emptiness. 
And so as I navigate this real fullness at the beginning of a year and today right under a full moon that's going to rise at about 6 p.m. and be full tonight on the eastern on the east coast of the states at least i have also been trying to remember and really reflecting on teaching about practicing with the emptiness capital t capital e the emptiness playing in both the fullness and the emptiness if you will That's what it felt like last night. Last night was Thursday evening. I usually teach two classes here in Atlanta on Thursday evenings, a a yoga class and then a guided meditation. And last night was my first Thursday night round of classes of the year. And there was a fullness. There were a lot of folks that joined. Um, We got to practice some good yoga. We got to meditate together. And the way that I described it in both classes is that we played in the fullness and the emptiness. And when I started to talk about the emptiness, you know, the fullness was more straightforward. We had a full class. Our lives are full in January. We worked on a yoga pose in that class that is pretty complex, has a lot of um, different considerations and moving pieces. So the fullness was pretty straightforward. But when I started to talk about the emptiness, it felt necessary to clarify that when I'm talking about emptiness, Not only am I talking about, or excuse me, not only am I not talking about lack, I'm talking about space and potential, but I'm also not talking about like escaping the fullness, avoiding the fullness, bypassing the fullness, hiding from the fullness by turning all of our attention toward emptiness instead. What I mean is, taking refuge in the emptiness, remembering the emptiness as a place to give our energy and our minds and our consciousness a break so that we can remember that the fullness is real, but there's something about us and our experience in this human life on planet earth that's even more real than that. The emptiness, the transcendence, the unified field, the connection, that is real and maybe even more real than the day-to-day like fullness of our lives, than the moment-to-moment chaos of our minds, even these human bodies that we're in. The emptiness, the potential, the pure distilled consciousness is a little more real than that. And we don't have to hide from the fullness or avoid it and totally immerse in the emptiness and just you know, be completely ungrounded and unreal, but we can take refuge in remembering the emptiness in times of fullness. Because where there is fullness, so too lives the emptiness. But it's also true that where we find the emptiness, there will also be fullness. (laughs) Paradox. But I know that I don't have to remind you of the fullness You heard me do like a 15 minute reflection on how real fullness has been in my life. And I know that that has to be true for you as well. If it's not, that's awesome. But more likely than not, fullness has probably returned to you at the beginning of this year. So I don't have to, I don't have to give you fullness as a practice tool. So what I'm going to offer as a practice tool instead is a moment to take refuge in the emptiness.
So this is indeed the Moment in the Awareness Offerings podcast where we shift from discussion to practice, from talking about it to embodying it, and we move into some meditation. So if you're not in a position where it's safe or comfortable or you have time to pause and be still for some contemplative and meditative practice for a moment, this is a great time to pause the podcast and come back when you are ready. If you are ready now, I'll invite you to find a comfortable seat. My philosophy as a teacher is that a comfortable seat is any seat at all, as long as you can find space in your spinal column. According to yoga philosophy, the spinal column is the central pathway of energy in the body. It's where all of our energy moves and flows. It's also the way that our nervous system communicates. And so when there's space there, there is more connection, more fluidity, and more openness. But again, my belief is that you get to find that absolutely however you need to. You could be sitting in the classical meditative posture that we often think of when we think of meditating, legs crossed, seated on the ground. If you do that, I would say sit on something so that your hips and your low back have some support. But that's not the only way that you can sit. You can sit with your back against the wall. You can sit on a chair or your couch or your bed. You could sit with your legs outstretched or with your knees bent, feet on the floor. The possibilities are truly endless. I just invite you to find your spacious seat where you have a long spine. And as you find that, as you find your posture for meditative practice, you might settle into it by choosing to close your eyes. You might choose not to close your eyes. Always your choice. Instead, you could take a soft gaze, looking down the tip of your nose or toward the floor. The idea is to dial down the dimmer on the external stimuli so that you have more energy to put toward your internal experience for a few minutes. You turn toward yourself. As you do that, you might be putting some awareness toward your breathing. That's not something you have to do. You don't even have to change or do anything with your breath right now. But you might start to watch it, to make note that it's happening as it's happening, because it is only happening in the present moment. So if we begin to connect ourselves to our breathing, we can begin to connect ourselves to the present moment. A way of guiding ourselves into and settling into the present moment through breath awareness. There are many access points to breath awareness. You could listen to the sound of your breath. Feel the temperature as cool air moves in. Warm air moves out. You could feel the movement that breath creates, some expansion in your torso as you inhale, contraction and release as you exhale. You could even use your mind and say to yourself, I'm breathing in, now I'm breathing out. Perhaps using your present moment experience of breath to connect to the present moment itself And of course, your mind will likely try to interrupt, and that is natural. It's not something you have to judge or shame yourself for. 
just like we're trying to remember that we are more than the fullness, we're simply trying to remember that we're more than the mind. You could even say that the mind and the fullness are, are one in the same. So we don't have to stop the mind. We're just trying to go somewhere else, somewhere more spacious. So you can allow that space for your mind. You can acknowledge that you're thinking when you find the thoughts interrupting your presence. Again, you could use your mind and say, I'm thinking, and then consciously redirect your focus back to your breath. It doesn't matter how many times you have to do that. And in fact, the more times you do it, the more you teach yourself to return to presence. So taking a moment to establish this space of presence. And then from this space of presence, we are going to change the breath. And this is an invitation. It is not required of you. You can stay in this space of simple presence, maybe simple breath awareness, for the entirety of this meditation. If you join me in this breath practice, know that it does involve pausing the breath. If for any reason that it is uncomfortable or feels unsafe to you, don't do it. You can do the essence of this practice, even without pausing the breath. And I'll talk to you more about that as we go. Because what we're going to start to do is maybe create some space between the breaths. And that looks like taking an inhale, then pausing, and then exhaling, and pausing, then inhaling, and pausing, exhaling and pausing and that's the rhythm you can decide to create a pause that pause can be as long or short as you'd like it to if you don't want to hold your breath you can just look for the space between your breaths even if you don't pause there still is a millisecond between each inhale and exhale either way that you approach it here we take a moment to look for the space between the breaths Inhale and pause, exhale and pause. A few rounds like that. And working with the breath on purpose can create even more connection to the breath, which can also create even more connection to the moment. So you might feel yourself dropping more deeply into your moment as you do your breath practice. A few more rounds.
after your next exhale, I invite you to release that practice, release that structure and allow your breath to do what it does to return to any pace that is a baseline. And then we're going to direct a little more energy toward the mind. And we're going to try to apply that same principle to the mind itself. I invite you now to imagine that you could look for the space between your thoughts. And that might feel like a very abstract and esoteric task. It's okay. The point is mostly about cultivating the curiosity to imagine that there could be space between the thoughts because curiosity itself is very spacious. You could use your mind once again to even say to yourself, I'm looking for the space between my thoughts. Inviting that spacious curiosity, maybe noticing how it feels. Perhaps also knowing that the idea is that if you can examine your thoughts, if there's a part of you that can observe your thoughts and look for spaces, gaps between your thoughts, that means there's a part of you that is beyond your mind. There's a part of you at play that can watch your mind, which means you are bigger, more spacious than your mind. So you start or continue, I should say, to look for the space between your thoughts, continuing to invite spaciousness as a pathway to the emptiness. I'm looking for the space between my thoughts. I'm looking for the space between my thoughts. Now you can release that endeavor and we'll move into one more layer, one more tool in this practice. It's another breath practice. It's a little more dynamic and vigorous than what we've been doing so far. Know that it's only an option. It's not an order. But you might join me in a gentle breath of fire. Breath of fire is a powerful belly pumping breath. It creates heat in the body. And these powerful types of breath get us very oxygenated. They oxygenate our cells. And that's what we're looking for. We're trying to get a lot of oxygen in because we might, just might, play with a longer pause with the breath out to make a different and and additional kind of contact with the emptiness. So if you haven't practiced breath of fire before, it is one Again, it's, it's really dynamic. So if there's anything going on where intensity doesn't feel like the thing for you, if you've got blood pressure concerns, if it's a heavy flow day, or you just don't want to feel intense, you can stay with your space between the breaths practice or space between the thoughts practice. If you're coming along, it's a strong exhale, not unlike blowing the nose and we squeeze at the belly when we exhale. It sounds like... <laughs> 
Now the inhale is shorter, it's about a quarter breath in, and it almost happens on its own. Most of the emphasis is on the powerful exhale. So the rhythm begins to sound something like this. Now you can go at any pace that works. I will go at a certain pace, but you can take a half or quarter pace. You can even speed up. And this can be a gentle fire breath. It doesn't have to be the hardest push you've ever done. We're just trying to oxygenate and then we might pause. So if you're coming along in this breath, you might begin with a full breath in through your nose, a long and full exhale, pressing the air out, starting to squeeze at the belly, activating those muscles, making space. Now perhaps a quarter breath in for your gentle breath of fire. Exhale, go long again, pressing out as much air as you can, maybe pressing tension out with it. And consider only if your body and mind say yes, pausing with the breath out, knowing that you are oxygenated. You have the oxygen. So if it feels good to pause, maybe do so. The non-breath as a teacher of the emptiness, not emptiness as lack, but emptiness as space, pure potential where the only thing to do is to create, to draw in, pausing first in that emptiness, noticing how it feels. You can breathe whenever you need to. And then if you haven't yet, gently bringing the breath back in, inhaling. Exhaling, allowing the breath to do what it does and giving yourself some time and space to sit in your relationship to the emptiness, having used some tools to find that spaciousness, that emptiness, maybe existing there for a moment, having your experience of it, whatever that is. start to transition out of this meditation with a settling breath, trying to ground in back to the reality, back to the body after being in a more spacious and abstract place. So sighing breath can ground us. That downward press of the sigh can get us back in our bodies. The sound can help us reorient to the present and it settles the nervous system. So you might join me in inhaling through your nose, And sighing it out. And again. And 
One more time. And then beginning to transition out of your internal experience back into the external a little more. Maybe stretching, moving your body. Maybe gently blinking your eyes open. Maybe taking your time, knowing that you don't have to jump out of this practice. And the whole point is that what you did was remember that that emptiness, that spaciousness, whatever you experienced exists within you, which means it still exists even as you move out into the world and back into the fullness. Know that you are both You are contrast, you are opposites, you are layers, you are nuance, which means you and we are wholeness. Thank you for listening to this awareness offering. The Awareness Offerings podcast is created, edited, and produced by me, Lara Tara Davy Joplin. My music is by my brother, Oxella, O-X-E-L-A, who can be found on Instagram, Spotify, iTunes, and beyond. You can keep up with me on Instagram at Lara2 underscores Tara. Talk to you next time.